two. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys. Uh, it's great to have our first episode of the fall semester. How's it been going? Been going good on my end, man. Got football season starting again and um, got stuff to talk about, so I'm excited. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, FAU sports looking pretty good this fall semester so far. Um, some areas of improvement, but some things I like to see as well. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's good to have the sports podcast be back for, to start the fall semester. And for the first topic we'll go over today is FU football. After dominating Charlotte 43-13, the season opener on August 27, they went to Athens, Ohio for a little matchup against the Ohio Bobcats. Unfortunately for FAU, they suffered a disappointing loss, 41-38. And they were down by as much as 17 points before making a late attempt at a comeback, scoring two touchdowns to cut the deficit to three, but couldn't complete the comeback in, the, in their final drive. So what are our thoughts from this previous game FAU had against Ohio? Um, you know, I think it was more telling um, based off the Charlotte game because Charlotte ended up losing to an FCS opponent uh, this week as well. So it kind of let me know that uh, we, like, as impressed as we were from week one, we still had um, a lot of improvements and we shouldn't, like, just be carrying over that, like, mental or moral victory. Um, but I thought the offense was fantastic against Ohio. It was just about stopping them, of course. And then one of the other big things I noticed was penalties. Uh, Taggart uh, alluded to it after the game in a post, post-game conference. You know, I believe, um, if I'm looking at the stats correctly, yeah, the, ter- or the penalties were eight penalties for 90 yards. And like you said, that's just not how you win football games, especially on the road. But, um, you know, it's early in the season. There's areas for improvement. So hopefully we'll build from that. Yeah, I basically had pretty much the same thoughts. Um, you can't play like that on the road and expect to win. Tiger said himself. Thing about it that's just the most disappointing is that it just seems like a clear like step in the wrong direction because they look so great. Um, like the offense looks so great against Charlotte, and once again. Like Zach said, that's Charlotte. They literally, the Athletic put out a piece today that had Charlotte, the worst FBS team in the country, like actually. But it's just a clear step back because they look so good against them. And now they, this week, they committed so many penalties. It's looked undisciplined. And it's just disappointing, you know, compared to how good they looked in the first week. But like you said, it's the early in the season. They have plenty of time. And an extra week before UCF to work out kinks. But not what you wanted to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you guys are saying. Um, when it comes to FEU, the past few seasons, the, the way they play at home and on the road has been completely different stories. Like at home, they're very usually very good. Their offense is, is like uh, almost close to what it can be, like very solid. And the defense can be great uh, a lot of times. But then you go on the road, then they go on the road and they just have a hard time just keeping the home team in check and just having a good offensive night. What I will say, though, is it is pretty optimistic because uh, in last season, if they were down double digits 
they probably wouldn't have made a comeback late in the game. This time against Ohio, they they tried to make the comeback and they almost did it. They just couldn't get the final drive to convert, like uh, to tie the game to go to OT or go for the game-winning touchdown. So uh, credit to the offense where it's due. They really tried to cut to make the game as close as possible and try to win the game in late in the, in late in the fourth quarter. It's just a matter of having more defensive discipline, especially when it comes to not taking a lot of penalties that pretty much take the game away from you. So and we have to we have to assume that the defense will improve slightly because uh, they were uh, against Ohio. They were missing Evan Anderson, a star on the line, and also they were missing Decarius Hawthorne. He hasn't quite been a star yet, but everyone in the media assumes assumes him to take that next step this year if he stays healthy. And they were missing both of them and another on the defense who I'm forgetting. So whenever they're back and healthy, obviously the defense will improve. That's when, you know, um, I don't think Tiger had too much to say about that, but to be fair, they were missing some guys on defense. So we'll see what it looks like whenever they come back and healthy. Yeah. And I mean, if you just look at the game from a stat sheet perspective, like it shouldn't have been that close it seems anyway because we lost the turnover battle and the penalty battle I think both of our turnovers were off fumbles like you said we had a lot of players missing but um, on the defensive side of things it's just kind of like picking your poison where you want to get beat because I mean we allowed over 360 yards through the air and allowed over 100 yards on the ground just by the running back alone so it was kind of like we were getting beat on both ends and we were kind of second guessing ourselves but like you said once we get um, some, some of our interior line help back that'll help stop uh, the run game and then that way we can allow our dbs to actually play in coverage a little bit better i think we just got caught too many times in man a little bit undisciplined but these are all areas of, of improvement and identifying factors so um i definitely thought our offense did amazing especially nikosi perry i mean he had 360 yards in the air five touchdowns no turnovers i mean he he balled out um he's a johnny unitas golden arm watch member for a reason um and he's showing us why but Things to improve on. And speaking of Nikosi Perry, he is like all like close to topping the charts in the nation when it comes to touchdowns scored and passing yards. He's currently second in passing yards while he's like tied for first in touchdowns, like both rushing mm-hmm. and passing. So Perry's really having a great start to the season after what was a roller coaster last year. So no, he looks night and day different compared. Um um, to last year, like you just said, my my thing with him last year was that even in like situations where FAU had control of the game, he didn't look poised back there. He just looked—I don't know if nervous is the right word, but uncomfortable. Um, a lot, some of that might be due to play calling, but it's opposite this year with um, Dearman's offense. Like he looks like confident and poised when he like steps into the throws, and it's it, the offense looks different because of it. So that's what you wanted to see out of Perry. Yeah, for sure. And with FAU waiting to get some of its defensive players who are currently injured back, they are taking on Southeastern Louisiana this Saturday at 6 p.m. at home. So what are expectations for FAU heading into the game? Well, I was asking go first. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, Southeastern Louisiana isn't necessarily like a powerhouse or a team that you really have marked off on your schedule going into a season. Um, I feel like that's a game for us. 
um, we should be expected to win. But at the same time, I don't just want to see a win. I want to see some strides taken um, on the defensive side of the ball. Offensive, offensively, I just need to see some consistency. You know, Nikosi's going to keep building trust with his linemen as the season goes on. Um, I think his receivers stepped up in a big way. I think we had two receivers have over 100 receiving yards with multiple touchdowns. So he's already built his trust there. But um, mainly just defensively, get guys healthy, get guys disciplined and check, you know, um, just have, have the game seem more under control out of the gate. You know, you can, you can have some sloppiness here and there, but it can't just be like strung out throughout the game. Like if you make your mistakes, try to correct them as soon as possible. Um, I feel pretty much the same way. I kind of would rather, I think if they're going to be at all, all confident going into uh, UCF, they have to kind of manhandle southeastern Louisiana because, like like you said, they're not exactly a powerhouse and they are, might be sitting some guys to be healthy. But I, they, after the loss to Ohio, that's like if we were playing UCF this week, I would not be confident. I want to see them play a good game all around. You know, the energy's there. Defense plays good. I'm assuming the offense is going to continue to just improve as the season goes. But I think they, if they're going to be confident about UCF and being able to compete with them in what I'm assuming is going to be a pretty crazy game, a great atmosphere, they have to, they have to be south, southeastern Louisiana, kind of like we have to like see them beat them like that. They got to do it. They got to do it bad. Yeah, definitely agree with you there, Cameron. Uh, if they're if FEU is gonna have gonna have a chance against UCF, they're gonna have to really win against Southeastern Louisiana to have to be riding on high emotions and a lot of energy heading into UCF game on September seventeenth. So best of luck to them this Saturday, and we'll see how it goes. So moving on from FEU football, we have FEU soccer, and we'll start off with the men's team from. The three games they have played so far, the best way I can summarize them is they are a work in progress. They have a win, a draw, and a loss. Most recently, a, law, a 2-0 loss against uh, Lipscomb University, who, is, who was ranked 23rd in the country at the time. So right now for FAU, they do have a very good goal scorer in Victor Caudell, who has three goals so far, which, is basically, which basically means he's averaging a goal a game. He scored two in the opener against Lynn University and then the game winner against Stetson. But right now for FAU, they just have to be, they are still gaining chemistry with one another. Half of the team is relatively new. They are newcomers. Uh, half of the team that was like the team that was, that made it all the way to the Conference USA Championship against Kentucky last season, half of them are not here anymore. So it's just really gaining chemistry with one another and knowing where everyone is on the pitch and just having better ball movement and trying to be more aggressive on the offensive, on the offensive side of the ball. So it's just a matter of <laughs> just gaining the, as much chemistry as possible as the season goes on before conference play against uh, American athletic conference opponents really starts to take place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the big things I've noticed from the past three games, more specifically in the Lynn and the um, Lipscomb game, is just kind of like mental composure and mental toughness. Um, I think between the Lipscomb game, um, if I'm not mistaken, there was, I don't know how many 
red cards and oh. yellow cards, or eight yellow cards and three red cards. I mean, that's just yeah. not something you want to see throughout a game, um, especially if you want to compete against these better ranked teams. Like, you can't be hurting yourself or shooting yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to kind of keep everyone on. I did like what I saw out of uh, Neil Strava, though. Um, I like what I'm seeing from him and goal. Um, he even saved us against the Lynn game because we had a two-goal lead, ended up, one of our players ended up picking up a red card yeah. um, early in the second half, and he had to pull off four saves just to preserve the draw. I mean, those are games we should walk away from with wins if we just keep 11 guys on the pitch. But um, we're starting to see, like, the youthness of our team um, come out just because we lost so many guys. You know, I think I don't think it's more so that people are playing angry. I just think it's we're too eager to make a play defensively or we're trying to overstep our lines of where we should be. Um, so I'd just like to see us calm down a little bit and handle the games we should. But, um, you know, like we said, so early in the season for all sports, we're going to see where our problems are early on, but definitely some things to improve on for sure. Yeah, my thoughts are kind of the same. Um, you know, you would like to see them kind of get some of those early season wins um, just to kind of like set the precedent for the rest of the year, and especially with it being like the first um, couple of uh, games as a member of the American, you know, you'd kind of like to get those first wins and like let the rest of the conference know like that, like you're here, like you're ready to play. But it's, you know, with what's happened, it's what happens with when you have like a young team, you know, you have to build the chemistry. Um, you go through like the growing pains that's um, like uh, red, red and yellow cards. Um, just young mistakes like that. But I assume they'll just continue to build upon the good things that we saw through the three games. And, you know, as conference play starts, they'll, like, show the improvements that we want to see. Yeah. When it, while they're not bad defensively, they have to be better at being disciplined when they're trying to take the ball away from the opposing side. Like, they're averaging a red card a game. So... And of course, almost four yellows, four almost four yellows and one red card a game. That's something they got to be very careful with as the season goes forward, and they just have to be more disciplined. And they did as they finished their three-game home stand to start the season. They are heading out on the road this week, taking on Army University this Wednesday at seven in New York. It's actually a two-game road trip in New York, at, in different cities, uh, against Army University on Wednesday, this Wednesday at West Point. And then on Saturday, September September 10, at Marist University. So best of luck to men's soccer on their two-game road trip in New York. And we'll see how, how things go for them from there. And moving on from men's soccer, we have women's soccer. While we could say the same thing for, for the women's team, when it comes to them being a work in progress, they currently have, similar to the men's, they have a 50-50 record. Oh, the only difference is they played twice the amount of games as the men so far, having a record of two wins, two losses, and two draws. They are noticeably a little better compared to last year, where they lost games the way they shouldn't have, or they just under underperformed at the offensive end. So right now they've scored a goal in each of every game, six goals, besides the the game where they didn't uh, where they lost four zip to Alabama in the season opener. They've done better since from that game. They conceded no goals for four straight games until they lost to Florida Gulf Coast 1-0. And within that, those couple of games after the Alabama game, they did pick up uh, 
a 2-1 upset victory over University of South Florida. So there's definitely a lot to be happy for when it comes to the women's side. Yeah, I would about the USF one, what was even more impressive to me is we were actually losing uh, going into uh, the half against USF. But um, like we said, relentless pressure coming out um, of halftime. You know, I don't know what they said in the team meeting, but um, they obviously felt that they were still in it. And, you know, they proved it turnaround late. I think they scored in the 67th minute. Um, yeah, Mia Sinas, uh with the equalizer. That was her first goal of the year. Um, so congrats to her. Another thing um, I'd point out is the most recent loss against FGCU. Um, yeah. yeah, that was a great game as well. Just defensively, both sides really playing lockdown defense. But you kind of saw how, um, you know, the, our women's soccer team is having – a lot of opportunities were creating a lot of chances. You know, we were leading um, the shots margin, I think 13 to nine, but it just came down to, I think two minutes left in the game. FGCU just pulled away with the goal. So we just have to do a little bit better job of capitalizing on our chances, you know, whether that be um, just putting more shots on goal, forcing them to make mistakes or, you know, just trying to clear stuff up with the corner kicks. Um, but, you know, don't want to sound like a broken record, but early in the season, you know, we're not perfect. Um, these things will happen, but I think it was huge getting that huge upset win. And then, um, yeah, just moving forward from here. We'll see what we got left. Yeah, yeah. Um, I What really impressed me with the women's soccer team was after that, um, that it was kind of a tough loss to go to, um, to fall 4-0 to Alabama um, in the opener. Uh, but the next game, right after, they came versus they – came back versus Detroit Mercy and put a, put up a great game and won four nothing. And that's what you want to see out of a team. Like whenever they have a tough game like that, they come back and look great and they make the adjustments. And that's just what impressed me. And I hope um, after kind of a loss to Florida Gulf Coast, they can kind of come back and do the same thing against Memphis on the 8th of September, uh, 8th of September. Yep. Um, just that's what you want to see out of the teams. Can they make the adjustments when they go down? And they did that. Yeah, for sure. And as you mentioned, Cameron, their upcoming games throughout the throughout the week is on Thursday against uh, University of Memphis on the road on Thursday at 8 p.m. And then they take on UT Martin on September 10 at 7 p.m. So a two-game road trip in Tennessee is definitely going to be interesting how they play against Memphis. So we'll see. We're wishing them the best of luck against pretty good competition and when it comes to their non-conference games. And with that, that will conclude our section with FEU Sports. Now we head on to national sports. And for our only topic for today is the NFL. Preseason started, uh, pre-season started a couple of weeks ago and pretty much finished like last week, last weekend or so. So right now, every, all the teams in the NFL are getting ready for the season openers. Uh, the, the Los Angeles Rams are getting ready to defend their Super Bowl title. Uh, Tom Brady is getting ready for what could possibly be actually his final season in the league. And everybody else is just looking to see who can be the next winner uh, for the next Super Bowl. So what are our thoughts going into week one of the NFL season? You know, there are a lot of 
storylines that I'm excited to see. Um, this is one of the most intriguing draft classes I'd seen in a while, just because I think there can be so much immediate impact. Um, you know, you look over at the Falcons for the NFC, NFC South, you know, they kind of did a complete revamp. You have Desmond Ritter, who's going to start behind uh, Mariota, but I don't think it'll be long before he gets um, thrown into the starting role. You have Drake Lennon that was drafted over there as well. Um, in Houston, you have Damian Pierce, who already won the starting job for the Houston Texans in the backfield. Um, among other rookie starters that are looking to make impacts right out the gate, you know, um, there's just a lot of things to be excited for this season. A lot of um, turnstiles that have moved across. So teams look brand new and some teams are looking to just maintain what they did last year. Um, but I'm excited. You know, I don't think we're going to see any repeats of last year. There's going to be some new division winners. There's going to be completely different playoff teams this year. So I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, um, I think what I'm kind of most excited about for uh, week one is to get a look at some of the some of the second year uh, starting quarterbacks. Because um, I think some of them were in I don't want to un, kind of unfair ish situations last year, like um, Trevor Lawrence. I'm interested to see like what his second year um, in Jacksonville looks like now that he kind of has a semi competent uh, coach in front of him. Uh, with Doug Peterson. Um, do you also have Trey Lance? Um, what's he going to look like? And now that he's kind of got the full reins in San Francisco with um, Shanahan, got Justin Fields, who's actually will be taking on Trey Lance. Um, what's he going to look like now that he doesn't have kind of like Matt Nagy's horrible play calling, holding him back? Uh, like, what's, uh, sorry, blanking on his name. Uh, Wilson in New York, what's he going to do? Yeah, I know he kind of has that. Um, Zach Wilson, right? He has that injury kind of lingering, but now that he's kind of got some more weapons and a year under his belt, what's he going to look like? Interested to see, like, out of those guys who kind of takes the step because none of them really looked fantastic last year. So who's, like, going to make that jump out of them? Yeah, I'd say um, one, of, one of the biggest games that I'm excited for um, although I don't think the two teams will finish high is just the week one matchup between the Browns and the Panthers. You know, it's Baker's revenge game. And I think it would be the most Browns thing ever to have the quarterback that brought you from tragedy, just come back and absolutely destroy you. Um, <laughs> I just think that, I just think that'll be a very fitting storyline. And one of the other things that I think is going to be a huge tell for whether this quarterback keeps his job is whether Tua can make Miami a playoff team. This is no more chances for him. They gave him the weapons he needs. Um, O-line has taken some strides. He no longer has Brian Flores. So um, it's got to be his prove-it year. Otherwise, he may be looking for a job elsewhere outside of Miami. But I am rooting for him. I uh, He's a good guy. He's always been a good person deep down. So I wish him the best of luck. But, you know, time will tell. It's a very interesting week one, and I'm excited that football is back in all its entirety. Mm -hmm. uh, going off of what you said, Zach, I do agree that the Miami Dolphins are one of the teams in the NFL that I'm looking forward to uh, when it comes to making huge improvements in their game uh, coming off of last season, especially for Tua. Hopefully third season is a charm for him. And um, <laughs> with, uh, with their new coach, Mike McDaniel, who is looking – who uh, look, from, from what I see, the team likes him. Like, he's gotten along very well with the players. And hopefully the chemistry is pretty good over there. 
and hopefully for their expectations heading into the season is that they make the playoffs this time after being so close, but yet so far. Make the prediction right now. And on it, are the Dolphins making the playoffs? Mm, I would say, like, at the very least, 10 and 7 or 11 and 6. I do expect mm. it to be at the very least above 500. I do yes. want to talk about uh, the New England Patriots, though. They do have an interesting quarterback situation between Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp. Like, I think Mac Jones will likely be the number one option to start the season, but Bailey Zapp has a very good case to possibly steal that spot and knowing what he was capable of coming out of Western Kentucky, who, where he, he lit up everybody in his last year there. It's going to be very interesting to see how uh, Bill Belichick approaches the idea of Mac Jones and Billy Zapp getting potential playing time throughout the season. I think that Mac Jones really 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 have to like kind of stink it up for them to go with Bailey Zapp and I say that because not only did they did Mac Jones kind of not have a bad season last year I just think like he's the kind of guy that Belichick likes and that Belichick wants running that um running his team uh he I don't want to compare him to Tom Brady because it's Mac Jones and Tom Brady. That'd be wrong. But yeah. he's kind of has that like methodical kind of play style like Brady. Not the huge chunk 40-yard plays downfield, but kind of like got you up on like the short passes and check downs. So, and Bailey Zapp was kind of not that. And when he was at um, Western Kentucky, he had like that kind of like, prolific, high-powered, thousand yards a game it seems like um offense so I, I think it'd have to it'd have to go very very wrong in New England for them to pull Mac Jones and I don't I think that would if that were to happen that happened like kind of later in the season rather than sooner but you know that I mean crazier things have happened so. I mean I as a fan I'll try to narrow this down because I could probably go really deep into this but um, one of the two things I'll say is I don't think um, Zap will necessarily steal any spots. I think this is more of Mac Jones's place to lose only because of how much he did for the team last year. You know, if you would have, despite yeah. the despite the horrific um, playoff performance that I don't think fell on Mac's shoulders, I think um, the Bills literally did not get stopped on offense one time. But I mean, Bills were just the better team. That's not yeah. That's if, not you if you would have, if you would have had a perfect yeah. offensive night. Like, yeah, if you would have, uh, if that wasn't perfect, then I don't know what is when it came to Josh Allen. Yeah. He was very good that game. Yeah, but if you would have told Patriots fans like, "Hey, your rookie quarterback is going to take you to a postseason uh, spot," they would have been more than ecstatic. But obviously, the ex- expectations are a little raised this year. Um, I agree with Cameron. I think Bailey Zapp is more of that gunslinger type of quarterback. And you know, if Mac isn't playing well or is kind of stinking it up, then hey, you have a wild card in your back pocket that's proven himself as a you know, a very key safety blanket based off how he's performed in the preseason. I think he's someone that you can build trust in and also, you know, be a key trading piece, um, you know, down the road if need be. Um, and then one of the other things I'd say, I think one of the biggest problems isn't whether or not um, Mac Jones is 
is going to sting or not. I think it's whether or not you have a legitimate play caller at the helm for the Patriots. You know, you brought back Joe Judge and you brought back Matt Patricia, but those are all special teams and defensive-minded gurus under Bill Belichick, who's also a defensive mind. You know, you don't really have Josh McDaniels anymore. And, you know, don't get me wrong, McDaniels did a lot, but to me, he was literally just a dink and dunk play caller. Um, you know, a lot of the screens and such, but um, it'll be interesting to see. I know in the preseason they had Judge and Patricia bouncing between um, play calling responsibilities, but, um, you know, they're really going to have to prove it for me because I'm not, I'm not too big on our offense this year. You know, I still think Mac will make improvements. I just don't see us being an offensive powerhouse by any means of the term, even though we did bulk up in some sense, you know, bringing in Devontae Parker and, you know, keeping some of those uh, young receivers like Jacoby Meyer and such. But um, I'm a little nervous to say the least, but opening up against the Dolphins, definitely excited for that. I think it's in Miami, which I'm not too big on because I I think Miami's, yeah, I think Miami's won the last, like the last four or five matchups against um, the Patriots in Miami. Um, so it's not the best week one, but we'll see. They won both matchups last season. Yeah, yeah, they won both yeah. at home and, and at New England. So, you, yeah, Miami has definitely won a couple of consecutive games against New England. So definitely mm-hmm. an interesting matchup to see if Tua's really the guy for Miami, especially in his third season. So hopefully third season's a charm for him. And best of luck to Mac Jones, who has a pretty good situation going on that he'll have to really get past. And for my final question uh, regarding the NFL, who are our preseason picks to make the Super Bowl or at the very least be contending for the Super Bowl? Broncos, Bucks. Oh. <laughs> Bronco oh. Broncos and who? The Bucks. Yeah. It's Tom Brady's last ride. So I think, yeah, Tom Brady's last ride. Gotta make it count. I think the Broncos literally had every piece last year. They just happen to have Drew Locke as their quarterback. And now that now that they have uh, Russell Wilson, I think it's kind of kind of be a repeat of what they did with Manning when they brought him in. You know, they had all the pieces already. They were just missing the quarterback. So I think it's gonna be one of those. They are in a very tough division. You know, I think um my bold prediction is I don't know if the chiefs will make the playoffs i don't know i think i think the chart i think the chargers are making the strides to really settle up in that division so i have chargers and the broncos coming out coming out of that division but that's just my bold prediction you know we'll, we'll see how that plays out so um Wow, Chiefs not making the playoffs. That's bold. Wow. I was gonna I was I like I like the Chargers too, and that was actually might have been my pick for the AFC because I, I I like I like Herbert. I think I think Herbert yeah, is like Herbert's taller. Pretty- and I think he's gonna be like in two years, he's gonna be like the guy in the NFL. Like he's the premier quarterback that we look at and it's like that's who you want on your team. And, you know, they have – they kind of have, like – they have guys around them. Like, they have a good roster. It's just, like, a team, I think, that's, like, built the right way. Like, they have the – they have, like, their quarterback, and they have, like, that roster around him that, like, you can make a playoff push late in the year. So, out of the AFC, I think they might be my pick. I hate saying this because they play the Bears week one, but <laughs> – San Francisco is going to be mine for NFC. That they just have that roster is 
loaded, is loaded. And I think, I think they're going to kind of have like a similar uh, storyline to the Bengals had last season. Um, if Trey, that's depending on Trey Lance being competent, you know, if he can just be even just okay, that roster is so loaded that they can make a, a deep, deep playoff run, even if he's just kind of okay back there. Like the, that defense, the offensive line, they, they just got guys everywhere on that roster that as long as he's just even like awake back there, they, they're the team to beat, I think, in the NFC. Yeah. And my pick would be Bills and and the Bucks. I think with how Josh Allen played in, in the last postseason, like oh, we just mentioned his amazing game against New England in the wild card, and then putting up an amazing fight against Kansas City. So I, I do think that Josh Allen and the Bills will be coming into this season. And, of course, uh, fellow FU alum, uh, Devin Singletary, <laughs> he, he's definitely on the rise as being one of the best running backs in the league. And it's just great to see uh, former FU players like him shine, as well as a uh, shout-out to Dre Hendrickson from Cincinnati. He, yeah. It's just good to see that we have players who have made the Super Bowl or are getting actual rotation minutes on actual playoff teams. So when it comes to the Bills, I do think their their best chance of making the Super Bowl is this season, especially Josh Allen, who is probably entering his prime. He's he's still pretty young. He's still quite mobile. He still has a great throwing arm, and um, it's pretty clear that for the Bills, they their time to make the Super Bowl is this year, and. Going against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, who, as we just said earlier, he, he should be approaching his last season. And he'll want to end his career. Act, he'll want to actually end his career with a Super Bowl, not a loss, like he did against the Rams last season. So Bills and Bucks uh, is definitely, that would be my pick for the potential Super Bowl. Yeah. One of the, one of the last two things I'll add is I think, um, I think it was very important for the 49ers to secure Jimmy G as a backup role just because he's proven that he can get him there. So even if Trey Lance doesn't pan out to the player you think he'll be, and I still think he'll be very good for them. Um, I just think it was important for them to, you know, have that safety option because, you know, usually if you're not a playoff team, a lot of players will look for free agency elsewhere, but you know, if they've made a deep playoff run, they'll be more inclined to come back the following year. But um you know, I think that was very smart on their part. Another thing I will say, one of the most underrated signings, um, and I think this went way under the radar. People forgot about it. and Or maybe I'm wrong, and I just remember this wrong. Did Khalil Mack not go to the Chargers this offseason? It, it broke my heart. And he did. With, did. with J.C. Jackson as well. And they so have, you have Darwin on that defense Aaron, as well. Like, I, I got, I, that's, why, that's why they're my pick for the AFC. They just got guys yeah. everywhere. And I – like, I just think this is the year where, like, Patty's love runs out. You know, he lost um, Tyreek Hill. You know, he'll always have Kelsey there. They brought in Juju to kind of, you know, fulfill that Tyreek role. And then they picked up Marquez Valdez-Scantling to try to fulfill that McCole Hardman role now that that kind of experiment's over. But I think this is the year the Chiefs kind of get figured out a little bit. And I just think they're in a bad spot with how competitive their division is. Um, you know, even – even the Raiders bringing in Devontae Adams back with his old teammate Derek Carr from Fresno State, you know, 
these that is one of the toughest divisions in all of, it is the toughest division in all of football right now and i just don't see them sweeping anyone in their division you know and you know if they don't sweep then that's four losses right there that you're attributing toward them so um i think it's going to be really rough for them especially how good it's been for them in years past but you know maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe patty just still is that guy and he'll just say it doesn't matter but for now i'm i don't think they make it man i just got a weird feeling with that that'll be it for this episode of you press play sports make sure to hit like and subscribe click the bell to keep up with notifications from us also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news sports and more content alike to follow us on twitter it's for me at rich 26 Pereira, for cameron at prehistor cameron and for zach at zach watts one underscore thanks for watching everybody and have a great day